This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today you're in for a real treat. And that is with legendary cooking teacher and best-selling cookbook author, Bonnie Stern, and her daughter, Anna Rupert, who are both here today to talk about their brand new cookbook, Don't worry, just cook. I have it right here. Feel so excited to be holding this. And it's delicious, timeless recipes for comfort and connection. What a great title. Also later on in the show, we're going to hear from some of the cast, along with the founding artistic director of Unsung Heroes, Neil DeLynn, in their latest upcoming production, Unsung Heroes and Memories, a musical review supporting Alzheimer's and dementia, in support of Baycrest, Fear No Age. And this is their ninth season of doing this. So, so excited. Also, there will be music by Joanna Pearl and some other members of the cast as well. But first, let me tell you about our illustrious first guests for today, Bonnie Stern and Anna Rupert. Bonnie Stern is the founder of the Bonnie Stern School of Cooking in Toronto, which she opened and operated from 1973 to 2011. She has studied and taught cooking all over the world, hosted three national cooking shows, and for 17 years wrote a weekly column for the National Post. She has conducted popular workshops for the James Beard Foundation in New York City and leads culinary tours to various delicious destinations. Bonnie is also the creator of a groundbreaking book club in which authors are invited to discuss their work during thematic dinners. She has authored 12 best-selling cookbooks, including Bonnie Stern's Essentials of Home Cooking, which won a coveted International Association of Culinary Professionals Award. Bonnie is also the recipient of many awards, including the Ontario Hostelry Institute's Gold Award, the Premier's Award, and in 2021, Bonnie was inducted into the Taste Canada Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that. In addition to being Bonnie's daughter and sous chef, Anna Rupert is a speech language pathologist, health and social care manager, researcher and consultant in Toronto. Anna holds master's degrees in speech language pathology and international health policy from the University of Toronto and the London School of Economics, respectively. Anna's research and consulting has focused on the inclusion of rehabilitation services like speech pathology in global health systems, health system funding and planning, and the relationship between early childhood mental health, childhood trauma, and communication development. Clearly, she has many multiple interests. Anna has been cooking with Bonnie since she was able to sit unsupported on the kitchen counter and hold a wooden spoon. There's photo evidence. And this is her first book. So happy to have this mother-daughter duo here today with us. Bonnie and Anna, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us here. I have to congratulate both of you on your gorgeous new book, Don't Worry, Just Cook. I love everything about it. The beautiful colored photographs, which are really quite spectacular. 
all of the incredible recipes. In fact, I'm making the grilled Miami ribs with sticky pomegranate marinade for our Friday night dinner this week. And all of the wonderful notes and tips inside the book. And I love that you share these stories, lessons, and kitchen wisdom that helps build everyone's cooking technique and confidence in the kitchen. I just think it's one of your most fabulous cookbooks to date. Can you tell us about your brainchild and what the inspiration was for this book? I guess when I wrote my last book, it was Friday night dinners. And so that was very meaningful. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. But then a couple of years later, I closed my cooking school. And I was sort of lost as to what to do next and couldn't think of if I wanted to write another book. And then Anna, do you want to take over from there? Sure. Cooking has always been something that we do together. We talk about in the book that we informally menu plan every Friday night dinner. And, you know, at some point during the week, we'll talk about what we're going to make or who's coming. And during that time, also, I started helping her write speeches she was giving or talks she was doing and editing her newsletters and helping her with that a little bit. And so because we had started doing things like that together, I said, you know, if you did want to write a book, if you wanted to go back <laughs> I'm to available. <laughs> and so we didn't know that it would evolve into me having my name on the book, which is like, you know, still mind blown, but <sighs> we didn't know how involved I would be. And I think in terms of what the book is and mom jump in or correct me, um, it's such a true to Bonnie Stern book, right? Like it's still the same message of home cooking is amazing and it's the best and it nurtures you. And it's, there's so many wonderful, important things about home cooking. I think it may just come at it from a bit of a different lens or, or just emphasize how important it is right now. And that it's really, I think that comfort and connection is really filling a need that so many of us have. Well, we wrote it during the pandemic too, and we were very isolated and felt very isolated. And I think that it really helped us get through it. And also the idea of being able to welcome people again and nurture them and mother them a little bit. And (laughs) I think it's just a very important life idea of being able to cook for someone or join them together and people become more like family. I love the title, Don't Worry, Just Cook, because we all worry in the kitchen, unless we're you guys. We worry. (laughs) What a great, did that just come out of sort of vernacular, like you were speaking and went, wait a minute, that's a line we say all the time. It's actually very funny how we got that title. Anna, you tell it. I felt very strongly, like I wanted to know what the title was. Like for for me, I was like, what's it going to be? And I wanted to picture it and I wanted... (laughs) And um, one day I said to my mom, is there something that you say all the time? And she said, well, I guess I tell people not to worry. Just try it. Don't worry. Just cook. And <laughs> we kind of paused and we were like, is that it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And it's true that it's what she tells people all the time. And the funny thing is that I worry constantly. Like that's yes. all I do with my life is worry. <laughs> And so I don't want people to worry about cooking. I mean, it's, I want people to do it with joy. So it is funny. Lovely. And everyone loved the title. So we were really pleased that we found the right thing. 
Yeah. I love it. It's so bang on. And I know you always dreamt that you and your mom would have a cooking show one day called Bananas in the Kitchen or Bananas in the Kitchen. And that title didn't happen, but at least you got to work together. And yeah. you say that cooking with your mom is one of your favorite things in the world to do and that you love to write. And I have to tell you, as someone who has a very close relationship with my daughter, who's in New York right now, and I'm missing her so much, I just can't imagine how glorious it must have been to work together every day on this. What has it been like for you just both as mother-daughter, this mother-daughter duo, to write this book together? It was pretty amazing. What are you thinking? Yeah, I want to say that I feel that we are like obnoxiously lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. we, and I mean that seriously, how lucky we are, yes. obviously, that this is our relationship. And we don't take it for granted. No, and mm-hmm. that this actually made us closer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so nice. That it actually did make us closer and that we, you know, aside, it, it's not like I, you know, didn't occasionally revert back into my childhood self and <laughs> get frustrated or, you know, not want to show her how to do something again in editing on a Word document. You know, like yeah. all of those kinds of things happen. <laughs> for sure. yeah, a for lot sure. of patience with my technical <laughs> skills. A lot of patience. <laughs> but overall, I think it was really wonderful. And, and I think a big reason why it worked so well is because we were able to bring our strengths and skills to the project together. And, yes. you know, it allowed us to do it in a way that we both could shine. Yes. And respect each other and respect each yeah. other's skills and yes. talk yeah. about them. You know, if we had a problem with anything, we would talk it out. It was really magical. And it was magical to see how professional Anna was and how talented Uh she is, not just in her field of study, but also the way she could pick up so well when we were doing food photography and managing the food photography sessions that were in our living room and during COVID and during the lockdowns where we couldn't have very many people and where we had to follow the rules. And she just did an amazing job. I just can't say enough of how much of the book and how the beauty of the book came from her. Isn't that wonderful? I have to say, and I'm so glad you said the beauty of the book, because the book is chock full of so many goodies, as mentioned off the top, the stories and lessons. But those fabulous photos of the food and of both of you doing the cooking, like watching you both cooking together. I love those just as much as I love the food. It sort of has everything in it. Can you paint us a picture of what a typical day, if there is such a thing, looked like as you were creating this cookbook together? It's funny. And it might be, this is my first book, so I can't say comparatively. But because we did it during the pandemic, my understanding is that the process was very different from what it would have been otherwise. And so it was sort of, in my mind, there's sort of the two parts of it. There's the writing the book, and then there's the putting together the cookbook. And so when we were writing the book together, and it was during lockdowns, I mean, the whole process was throughout that. But when we were writing the book together, I would sort of debubble from my friends or whoever I was bubbled with. And then I would go and stay at my parents' house and take some time off, you know, my nine to five job and, and write the book with her. And then maybe a little bit more interesting was what it was like to put together. And maybe you'll speak to that a little bit because you know the difference. Well, when we used to have photography sessions for my other cookbooks, there would be a photographer and an assistant photographer. Then there would be a food stylist and an assistant food stylist and then an (laughs) assistant assistant. 
And then there would be me sort of coming in once in a while to make sure everything was going well and the publisher coming in to watch over everything to make sure that it would be good. And the publisher would choose the photographer and the photographer huh. would choose the food stylist. And yes. I was like, not an extra, but you know, I didn't have to do the cooking. I didn't have to do the cleaning. I, and this time? This time <laughs> the photographer was Tyler Anderson, who I worked with at the National Post for years. And he's not a food photographer, but he's an award-winning photographer who oh. came to my house to do all the photos that he did before. So he was kind of, we were used to each other. We had worked together. And the food stylist was the same food stylist that used to work on my books, Olga Trushan, but she didn't have an assistant. And so I was her assistant in terms oh of doing God. the cooking. And then oh I had my. someone to help me in the kitchen. So I wasn't working. Anna was working. I was everyone's <laughs> assistant. And do you remember the days when we could only have five people together? So there were the five of us, and that was about it. In the house, they tur we turned the entire, main like, floor. the main floor of the house was a photo studio, and my dad would, like, have to creep through the piles of, like, dishes that Olga would bring in every day because there were no prop studios that no, we were going to. Oh, I forgot. There used to be a prop stylist and an yeah. assistant prop yeah. stylist, and there wasn't any. Oh and we had masks on, and we were had the doors open, and like, it was really hilarious, but amazing. <laughs> Hilarious now. Oh yes, hilarious <laughs> now. But you did have a little bit of a sense of humor. And we did testing. We had to send people for testing because yeah. it was before the vaccine, too. Like now, when I look oh. back, I'm more traumatized yes. now yes. looking back over what we went through than I was then because we just had to get it done. Right. Absolutely. Wow. It's incredible, though, what you can do. And what Thank a wonderful you. gift. Like, I, And I'm going to go to the TED Talk that you gave back in 2016 soon just to talk about how have we lost the love of home cooking and comfort. And here we have this pandemic where, boy, has it ever been more all important, right? It's, it's everything now, cooking at home. I think people would rather cook at home and eat at home, then go out to restaurants now for safety. Would you agree with that? Or? I think at first people didn't realize that cooking was a life skill. You know, mm -hmm. that if you love to cook, you love to cook and you did it. But during the pandemic, I think, especially at the beginning, before all the restaurants did take out and before you could get food more easily, you yes. just had to know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> or an omelet <laughs> or something simple. You know, it didn't have to yes. be fancy cooking, but just something homemade. I love your story. Speaking of grilled cheese about your son and how he used to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day. And one day you thought, wait a minute, I'm Bonnie Stern. Like I've got to give him something else other than peanut butter and jelly. And you gave him this beautiful cheese sandwich and he came home and he said, mom, I, I love the people. What was the exact line that he said? But I love that story. He said, when I want to change, I'll ask for it. School is so hard. I need a lunch I can depend on. And it really gave me such a deep appreciation of how children think and what food means to them and the comfort of it. And I don't think, Anna, you can, I don't think I forced you guys ever to eat anything or you just developed on your own really good taste. He had peanut butter and jam every day and I had peanut butter and banana every day. And 
yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was comfort food. That's what yeah. you wanted. And that worked. And now I'm sure you, you have. still want it. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm sure your tastes have just, uh, yeah. you, you want so yeah. much more. Because just look at this beautiful book. Bonnie, I have to tell you that I spoke to my sister-in-law, whose name is also Bonnie. She's also a gourmet cook. And she absolutely loved your cooking school. And I know you like to hear what people have to say, what their memories are of that cooking school. You say that in the book. So I asked her and I know that you had the school for over 30 years and she says that she learned so much of what she knows from you and took your courses for many, many years. And in fact, she attributes a lot of her cooking prowess to you. She said the beauty of all of your cookbooks is that everything is accessible and that your course in pastry making gave her the confidence to make pastry, which can be very overwhelming and difficult for people. And now she can make pastry thanks to you with her eyes closed. So nice. And she also said, I did a lot of research on this because I really wanted to paint a picture of what people say, that your school was an institution in the city an amazing place of community and the courses gave you confidence in the kitchen, whether you were an experienced cook or a beginner. And she said there was something about watching you, Bonnie cook and watching your hands. I love that, which enhanced the experience of what people read in your books. She even said that she has every one of your cookbooks. And although she has over 100 cookbooks in her collection, that every one of yours, your 12 books are her go-tos always. So I just had to share that with you. Are you joking? Yeah, she's crying. I'm almost crying. Yeah, Yeah, so I thought that was pretty... Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. It really means a lot. Of course. Well, it's so true. So I know that so many people have memories of your school because it was so important to people in the city. And I'm wondering if you have a special memory, and I'm sure there's many, but a wonderful epiphany or a wonderful moment of your own that you'd like to share with us. Well, I'll have to think about that one. It is true that I have so many incredible memories and so just really proud of what we accomplished there and the people who worked with me. And it was like a family and the students that came and that we welcomed them and they told us about what they wanted to know. And I think if there's one kind of big takeaway is that because I was talking to people all the time and they could ask me any questions that they had, and I would always encourage them to ask questions. And if not at the class, when they were cooking, they could phone me. Yes. And I hope that from that experience, I could second guess what people need to know when I write recipes. And sometimes my recipes might seem like, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, you know, don't, <laughs> it's going to look curdled, but don't worry, it'll come together. Um, <laughs> it's because people shared with me all the things. And I'm glad that I was so approachable that people didn't mind telling me their problems or what happened to them and that I could solve them for them. That's so great. And I think that that was an important part of everything that I did, whether I was doing television or radio or writing columns or cookbooks, it always came through that I wanted to help people. I just, I still call myself a social worker in the kitchen. Sure, sure. And was it a conscious decision to make everything so accessible or is that how you roll as a person? That's how I roll. Yeah, it's great. It's so it's really, really so great. I've got to go back to this in the acknowledgments. I noticed that you acknowledged the late, great Peter Zosky of CBC Morningside fame. 
And I know you were on his show in 1990 when you had a discussion about soup, cold versus hot. And he was never a fan of cold soup. What are your memories of working with Peter Zosky? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break and more with renowned culinary teacher and cookbook author Bonnie Stern, along with her daughter and co-author Anna Rupert, when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I was just asking you before the break, Bonnie, what it was like working with Peter Zosky. I just thought he was the greatest. I really did. And I mm-hmm. always felt lucky that he liked interviewing me and having me on the show because I sort of felt that if he didn't like me, I was in big trouble because he was so smart and he was so, you know, he didn't suffer fools easily. And he mm-hmm. was just, excellent at what he did. And one thing, when I had guests teaching at the school, whether it was Jacques Pepin or Juliana Bujali, I would always phone the station and ask if they wanted to interview these people. And Peter loved food. And he really knew what he was doing when he spoke to someone. And they always after said that was one of the best interviews they've ever had. And it made me so proud. It really made me so proud that I could, first of all, work with someone so excellent. And then also, he he would work with me. It made me feel more confident. And just proud that he was in Canada. And I mean, I remember when he died, I was in a taxi going somewhere. And the taxi cab driver said that he learned English from the show, from Peter Zosky's show, and that he meant so much to him. And it was really something. He was really something. He was. He was. I was on his show a couple of times as well. And not like you, but I was maybe twice. But uh, it's enough to know, isn't it? It's enough to know. Absolutely. Love that. I also love in your acknowledgement section that you say the idea for the book came from the understanding that food has the ability to connect us. And this is for either of you. But I think that's so important. And especially during the pandemic, like even in your Zoom classes. And I know that you and I want everyone, I'm going to encourage everyone to go to Bonnie Stern's website and we'll have all that information for you at the end of the show. But just the Zoom classes that you provide, sometimes if that's all you've got and that's how you're going to connect, what a wonderful thing that you're doing and that you're bringing to people. So how did you come to that idea that food really connects us? Well, I mean, I think there's a a million different ways that that is true and that we see it when you focus on it. But maybe what's jumping out to me is when we kind of lost it during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of lost the connection in every way and in so many ways. And what happened for us as a family and not to sort of speak from my mom's experience, because 
we were a part of it, we lost Friday night dinners together, right? Like we, you know, we weren't coming together for Friday night dinner and it had a huge impact on her. And of course, you know, the whole family was like, we were sad we weren't getting together. But for my mom, it was really, really upsetting. And so she started doing takeaway and delivery Friday dinners. <laughs> and my dad became extremely efficient and organized with, you know, packaging, labeling, everything. It was amazing. But wow. it eventually got to a place where not only was it, you know, we were all connecting, even though it was over Zoom, but we were connecting over food and over dinner. My sister and her husband live in Ottawa. So we were getting to have Friday night dinner every week with my sister and, uh. and my brother-in-law, which we weren't doing before. And sometimes we were having Friday night dinner with our friends in New York. And like all these things that we actually in weird ways, some weird ways felt more connected to people. Yeah. And I think that's just sort of like one example of the ways that it's so clear that food connects us. And it's funny that people are sick of, sometimes they'll say they're sick of Zoom or that, you know, they're Zoomed out or they're this or they're that. But you have to think about the good that happened because of it. And it brought people together. People would cook on Zoom during some of my classes and they could ask questions. And when could this have happened before? You know, it was a miracle. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. It's so true. So I have to talk about the writing in the book for a minute. And I know, Anna, you have a lot to do with that as well. It's excellent. I love your section in the book on things not worth worrying about, like perfection, mm-hmm. best before dates, unsalted butter. That was so cool. I never knew that. I love <laughs> that section. <laughs> Got to read it, guys, to find out about that. It's so good. Of course, the name of the book is Don't Worry, Just Cook. And I also love, Bonnie, about how your mother had a bottle of ketchup in her fridge for 15 years. And so you have a very authentic comment on best before dates. Can you share that with our listeners? Well, I think you really have to use your common sense about best before days. And this isn't in the book, but I know that sometimes, you know, you open up a bottle of milk and you can smell that it's sour before the best before. So don't keep using it. You know, you're not going to keep using it. But at the same time, if you go away on a trip and you've got a bottle of milk in the fridge, but no one's opened the fridge for a week, you know, even if it's after the best before date, probably there's nothing wrong with it. Because if you think about it, you take a bottle of milk out of the fridge, in the fridge, out of the fridge. And depending on how long it's out of the fridge, it has a chance maybe to go Mm -hmm. bad faster. But if it's in there for a week and no one's touched the fridge, chances are everything's going to be fine. So I think that you have to use common sense with it. But yes, my mother did have a bottle of ketchup for at least 15 years and it was all black rim. And it was for our friends (laughs) because we didn't eat ketchup. And so (laughs) our friends would never want it once they saw the bottle anyway, but it was pretty (laughs) fun. That's hilarious. You say also as a born worrier that there are still things that you worry about in the kitchen. What are some of those things? Well, I worry a lot. I worry about good food not being available to everyone. I worry about farmers. I really worry about climate change. I mean, really, I could make a very long list of what I still worry about, but they The ones that I put in the book are ones that are, um, I think, something that's on everybody's mind, too. Mm -hmm. Great things. There's a wonderful forward by Israeli-born British chef, restaurateur, and food writer, and that is Yotam Adolenghi, who I know is also one of your favorite chefs. And I love when he writes in the first line of the forward to your book, preparing food is the most blissful activity, second only to serving it to a home crowd, happy to express their joy and gratitude. 
What is it like now that we're getting back to in-person? Because I know what it feels like for us. We also have lovely Friday night dinners and it used to be 25 of us and then it dwindled down to a very small number. And now we're doing it again. And I remember that first one. And even though it was outside and there's a lot more work involved running back and forth, it just was so delightful and joyful. So what is it like for you just to prepare your food and food from this new book for your loved ones and your family and friends? Well, when we started to do them again outside, as you say, so it was this summer, I just would cry all the time. (laughs) I would just be so appreciative and grateful for these moments that we got to spend. And to be truthful, I thought that after the pandemic, people would be more grateful and they would be kinder to each other. And sometimes that isn't true. I know. I know. And it should be because we have so much to be grateful for. And I also love, Bonnie, when I think about you, I just think food is love. And I think this is the way you express your love for people is through food and through cooking and being able to share it with people you love and write about it for people so they can learn how to have the same experience. And I think that's so great. And I also like to make sure that people know that having people over and sharing the food is more than the actual food. It's the way you make people feel comfortable, the kindness that you show to people when they're under your roof and taking care of people. And food is part of that, but it is only one part. So that if things aren't perfect, that's not any problem at all. Like perfection is, and I say this in that section of the book, perfection is really overrated. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's important and you want the food to be good and nourishing and good quality and you want people to love it, but it's not the bottom line. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the whole experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're just happy to be there. They're so happy to be there. I also love your website. As I mentioned, just tell us for those that are listening right now, how they can get to your website, which is chock full of so many goodies and ways that people can connect to you and all your books. It's just moneyspin.com. You know, it's very, I try to make things very easy for people, not just cooking, but everything. Of course. I want to talk about both of you as entrepreneurs. So I love the story for our listeners, Bonnie, of how you graduated from university, then went to George Brown College at a time when nobody studied the culinary arts. You did it anyway. What gave you the confidence to do this against your father's protestations and to go into this industry where at the time, now it is, but at the time it was not as an an accepted, established career path. What gave you that gumption to go for it? I think I was just young and stupid. (laughs) I mean, I think what it was, was really that I was young enough that I knew that I could go back and become a librarian. I love to cook. I love to share food with people. And so I thought that if I did this, I could learn so much more about cooking. But when I went to George Brown, there were six people in my class. And now there's hundreds that are either in the classes or on the wait lists or whatever. And so I was there at a very special time. I had very special instructors that really were so enthusiastic to have someone in the class that was really excited about (laughs) good food. And eventually my parents came around when they saw that I was doing something that I loved that much. But in their defense now that I'm a parent. Um, You know, I look back, my father was a chartered accountant, and he saw how hard work it was to have a small business. 
And he had a lot of clients who had small businesses and he knew that how hard it was going to be to open a cooking school and to have a little shop and, you know, have this small business. And Mm -hmm. he was thinking like that, that never occurred to me because I was so young and naive, really. Yeah, I relate to that so much. My late father, Herb Siblin, was also an accountant. And I remember one phone call where I had a small little business, the Toronto Wedding Handbook, that was maybe making $30,000 a year. And he was dealing with these very huge accounts. And he had to put someone on hold with this huge, huge multinational company to talk about my little <laughs> business. But he, he said that was the priority at, at the time. So I have to be honest with, oh, actually, before I go to the, the, the Friday dinner, I wanted to say, Anna, that it's wonderful that you've been able to merge the different aspects of what you do in different ways. Your writing and program project management helped so much and elevated the process of making this book. Can you tell us about your eclectic career and what this has meant for you, this whole new level? Yeah, so I'm a speech pathologist. That's, you know, the sort of career that I found. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so passionate about what I always say about speech pathology is that it really supports people with the things that we take for granted unless there's a problem, which are communication and swallowing. So very connected to um, eating. And both of those things can just have such a huge impact on who you are as a person and your relationships when something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. But I didn't sort of stop there, I guess you could say. I'm someone who's always questioned systems and why do we do it that way? Or... (laughs) you know, I I don't sort of stop, which life might be easier if I just stopped and said, oh, interesting. But um, (laughs) I think that's sort of how I've ended up doing so many different things. And writing has always been something that I love and something that I've been able to sort of extend and help other people with. And so I'll say that my professional career goal, like my biggest achievement that I, that I was so excited, maybe one day I would be able to achieve was publishing an academic peer reviewed paper. Wow! And <laughs> last year I successfully published the paper. And this year I came out with a cookbook. <laughs> so What's next? Me, What's next? Yes, You're going to have to come <laughs> back with your next venture. So I have to tell you guys and be honest about this. Every Friday night, I make the same thing. A brisket. Mm-hmm. I think it's your recipe, Bonnie. And either apricot chicken or chicken with panko style breadcrumbs or cornflake crumbs and potato kugel and matzo ball soup. It's very good, all of this, by the way. And everyone's favorite salad. And I had an epiphany <laughs> awakening when I read your book. Honestly, when I was reading Don't Worry, Just Cook, I thought, I have to change it up. It's enough already. So my family thanks you in advance. What are some of the things that just regular cooks like me? get from cooking some ways to have confidence about trying new things because a lot of us get into this rut where monday night is lamb chops and brussels sprouts and turnips and whatever that sounds terrible but you know what i mean what are some of the ways to get that confidence to venture out well i think that people expect certain things from us too and they have their favorite dishes too and these are probably some of your family's favorite dishes too so you don't want to change things up entirely So usually what I would say is just change one thing each dinner. So if you wanted to make the short ribs, like the Miami ribs instead of the brisket, still have some of the sides that everybody loves, have the appetizer that everybody loves, and maybe change one thing and see how that goes. Now, I I certainly hope it's going to be successful. (laughs) 
Well, I hope they like. I really hope they like. Oh my god! <laughs> so much pressure. I know. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all. It's all good. We can't worry don't about these things. Don't change everything all at once. Is basically what do you think, yeah, Anna? I think that's fair. Good that's advice. great advice. What do you make for dessert? Uh, dessert is usually a fresh fruit platter. And to be very honest, my auntie, Auntie Bonnie, uh, does this beautiful big chocolate cake oh, or this fabulous uh, banana cake. She's sort of the dessert okay. person. Great. I always do the beautiful fresh fruit platter and it's very Great. artful, you know. What are some of your favorite cooking tips from this fabulous new book, Don't Worry, Just Cook? My favorite is buttermilk because I never have buttermilk, but I always have buttermilk, mom, because? Because you can just add a little bit of vinegar or lemon juice to, to the bottom of one cup measure, like a <laughs> tablespoon, and fill it with milk to the one cup line and wait it for five or 10 minutes. And you've got enough that you can use instead of buttermilk. So that is a really, so good. really good tip. Another tip is being very careful when you cut up an avocado. I cut it around the length of it. And then I would sort of work it back and forth until it came apart in two pieces. And then I would take a knife and put it into the pit. And then I read that there were so many people being injured by taking a knife and putting it into a pit. They didn't do it carefully enough, I guess, and the knife would slip. And so if you just sort of cut it lengthwise around and then cut it like around um, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the equator, and then, yes. <laughs> and then break <laughs> off the four pieces, the pit just comes out and you don't have to use a knife at all. So I have to tell you on Bonnie Stern's Instagram page, she is actually demonstrating <laughs> this avocado cutting in those gorgeous four slices or quarters, if you will. So watching her hands do it, as Auntie Bonnie said, is the best way. So I encourage you all to check out Bonnie Stern's Instagram page where you can see what she's just been describing. The question we always ask on this show is, and I'm going to ask it to both of you, but I'll start with you, Bonnie. What is bliss for Bonnie Stern? Well, I was pretty blissed out when you told me about your sister loving the cooking school. <laughs> that was pretty nice. But my bliss is working with Anna, I think. And it was really just so wonderful to work together. And it was such an honor, actually. To get... It's very rare, you know, that you get to know your children as adults and to appreciate their talents so much. I just feel very grateful, very grateful being able to work together on this book. I love that. And for me, it's probably being with family and friends that are family and now absolutely with our dog Clementine. There you go. She yes. Makes everything better. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. What is the best way for people to contact you both and connect with you on social media? Probably Instagram. Yeah. So hers is just her name at Bonnie Stern and mine's at AC Rupert. And the website is just bonniestern.com, mm -hmm. www.bonniestern.com. And I have to say, I love that website. There's so much on there. You can sign up for their newsletter, which I just did. And it was, it, it's so great. I have to tell you, it's really been an honor having both of you here today. I've really loved every minute of it. Well, it's really been wonderful being here. And it was fun and interesting and exciting and wonderful to meet you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Great to meet you as well. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss and Unsung Heroes 9 when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. 
Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're joined now by the founding artistic director of Unsung Heroes, Neil DeLynn, along with president and chief scientist of the Baycrest Academy, Allison Sekuler, to talk about their latest upcoming production, Unsung Heroes 9, Memories, a musical review supporting Alzheimer's and dementia in support of Baycrest, Fear No Age. What a wonderful title. And I should tell you that I was in the first Unsung Heroes nine years ago and a few years after that and then hung up my character dance shoes and replaced them with a podcast mic. So I really get what this is all about. Let me tell you a little bit more about the founder of Unsung Heroes, Neil DeLynn, and our special guest as well that he's brought with him today, Dr. Allison Sekuler. Neil DeLynn is the founder and president of Chorus Tree Inc., which is a consulting firm specializing in customer and employee experience. Neil has been recognized as a thought leader in this space by ICMI for the last three years running. Ten years ago, Neil founded Unsung Heroes Productions, also known as UHP, in honor of his beloved late mother, Barbara, a single mother who raised three kids in poverty. And since its inception, UHP has produced 11 productions and donated over $600,000 to its charity partners. That's pretty phenomenal in the areas of poverty, cancer, and mental health. And this year, as mentioned, Neil is producing Unsung Heroes 9, entitled Memories for Alzheimer's and Dementia Research and Treatments at Baycrest. Neil is also a proud husband, father of four beautiful children, as well as a newly appointed member of the Board of Jewish Family and Child Services. Dr. Allison Sekuler is the Sandra Rotman Chair in Cognitive Neuroscience and President and Chief Scientist at the Baycrest Academy for Research and Education and the Center for Aging and Brain Health Innovation. A graduate of Pomona College, where she acquired a BA, and the University of California, Berkeley, PhD, Dr. Sekuler holds faculty positions at the University of Toronto and McMaster University. Her foundational research uses behavioral and neuroimaging approaches to understand how the brain processes visual information with specific interests in face perception, motion processing, perceptual learning, neural plasticity, aging, and neurotechnology, and her clinical and translational research aims to develop methods to prevent, detect, and treat age-related sensory and cognitive decline. Dr. Sekuler has won numerous national and international awards for research, teaching, and leadership, including serving as the country's first Canada Research Chair in Cognitive Neuroscience 
And she was recently named one of WXN's top most powerful women in Canada. Congratulations on all of that. Neil and Allison, Dr. <laughs> Sekuler, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Great to have you here. Thank you so much, Judy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. Neil, it's so great to have you here and congratulations on your ninth annual Unsung Heroes. Can you tell us about the inspiration behind the show this year? Because I think the theme this year is one that so many people can relate to. Can you tell us more? Yeah, well, you recall, we started Unsung Heroes to honor my mom and the charities that we chose were ones that were really important in her life. Unfortunately, her brother, my uncle, was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of Alzheimer's. And so he was sort of one of the inspirations uh, for this year's show, knowing that she would have wanted to raise money and support that for sure. And in addition, we have some cast members who, uh, well, every cast member in some way is impacted, but we certainly have some who are more recently impacted. One of our soloists has just recently lost his father, Joanna Pearl, her grandfather. And so uh, this show means a lot to a lot of us. And the theme memories and going through the milestones of life is about, you know, in an effort to share memories with our audience, we're able to preserve them. And going through the milestones helps us all think about those memories that we can all relate to. And so that's where the theme came from this year. It's just so fantastic what you're doing, Neil, and the fact that you've raised almost a million dollars thus far and growing strong. It's really fantastic. Dr. Sekuler, Allison, it's so good to have you here as well. Baycrest has really always been at the forefront of brain health and Alzheimer's and dementia research and treatment. What are some of the exciting things happening at Baycrest right now in this area? And specifically, can you tell us a little more about the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration and Aging? Canada's largest national dementia research initiative. Sure. So it is Canada's largest national research dementia initiative. Uh, about 350 of the leading clinicians and researchers across the country working to address issues in dementia are all part of that consortium. And, and Baycrest is now the scientific headquarters for what we call the CCNA, the Canadian Consortium for Neurodegeneration and Aging. And Dr. Howard Chertko is the leader of that consortium. And he's one of our newer recruits at the Brotman Research Institute at Baycrest. And he and Dr. Nicole Anderson are going to be having a grand opening for the new Kimmel Family Center for Brain Health and Aging tomorrow night, actually. So wow. that's one of the things that's going on. You asked what's going on. And the Kimmel Center is really intended to be, have a focus like the CCNA research right now on prevention. So right now there is no cure for dementia once we have it. So we want to do whatever we can to prevent people from having it in the first place or to delay its progression. Because if you can delay the progression of dementia for just, you know, a year, you dramatically reduce the numbers of people who will be impacted by it. So whatever we can do to prevent it, that's the focus right now. Um, we also are doing quite a lot of work on the early detection and there's a lot of work integrating artificial intelligence methods and machine learning to link that to what we see in people's brains to be able to predict uh, who is most at risk. And then we can figure out how do we create personalized intervention programs and training programs to, again, slow the decline or prevent it altogether. And finally, the last thing that we're really mm -hmm. focused on right now is integrating research and care. So we've been working quite closely uh, with our colleagues in the residential and clinical areas at Baycrest to create a brand new approach for people living with dementia called the possibilities model, which says it's not just about your past, but it's your future too. 
so incredible what you are doing. And I'm just going to ask you briefly, why is funding for brain research so paramount and one of our most pressing needs? I know you've kind of answered this, but why is it more important now than ever? It's more important now than ever because Canada is getting older and older. We are aging faster now than we ever have before. There are now more people over 65 than there are under 15. And age is the biggest predictor of dementia. The other reason it's really critical right now is because with the COVID pandemic, that's actually increased the risk factors for people to develop dementia. So although we already were in a public health crisis of dementia before COVID, it's probably being exacerbated Mm -hmm. now through the indirect and direct effects of COVID on the brain. Really? I didn't realize that. Do you think that's because people weren't going to appointments and so they got behind in the healthcare system? Or is it because being secluded and alone affected their brain health? To what would you attribute that to? All of the above. The direct effects, and we've been studying this at Baycrest with our colleagues at Sunnybrook and elsewhere, COVID gets into the brain, or it can, and Mm -hmm. in certain people, particularly those suffering from post-COVID condition or what's known as long COVID, it actually has an impact Mm -hmm. on the structure of the brain and the function of the brain in ways that sort of mirror some elements of dementia. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, to keep people safe, to your point, we had folks isolated, unable to interact with others, unable to get to appointments, doing less exercise, engaging less in terrific programs like Unsung Heroes, where they're getting together and singing and learning new things. And we know that if you do all of those things, that's how you prevent dementia or reduce your risk. So not helping people have all of the ability to do the things that would prevent risk, that's also going to increase it. So there's direct and indirect implications. So wonderful what both of you are doing, what you are doing, Allison at Baycrest and Neil DeLynn with Wonderful Unsung Heroes. The show this year is raising the bar with its music, with more talent, more original arrangements, very special guest stars and more. Can you just tell us briefly about some of the highlights we can look forward to this year? Yeah, well, actually, one of our very special guest stars is here with us. Dr. Allison is actually in the cast. On top of that long list of incredible accomplishments, she's also a really great comedic musical theater actress. (laughs) And several of the staff at Baycrest are in the cast as well. And we're just working on an exciting fundraising challenge where Josh Cooper, the uh, CEO and president of the Baycrest Foundation, will sing a song in the show should we uh, achieve that goal. So lots of fun things there. I really want that goal achieved. I want to hear Josh sing. (laughs) Yes, he's got a pretty fun number planned. The music this year is truly outstanding. We've got one of the most beautiful arrangements we've ever had created for us by one of our creative team, Mateo Chavez-Lewis, which is a mashup of You Raise Me Up and Amazing Grace. And it's stunning Mm. and it's inspirational and it's going to... I think really, uh, you know, connect to the audience and have them relate to the show and to this cause in a really meaningful way. And we just have just incredible talent. The people in our show, as you know, and you've been in our show, the people in our shows could do this professionally. They're outstanding talent, um, but they give their time twice a week, all summer long to rehearse, practice and put on an incredible performance to entertain our audience. So I, I hope everyone comes out and supports them, but more importantly, this cause. That's so wonderful. And it does get better and better every year. It's really reaching new heights. And we've actually got a special sneak peek, everyone, of a song that will be performed at Unsung Heroes 9, featuring the show's musical director, Andrew Ball, along with the superb vocals of Joanna Pearl, Ari Blicker, Tara Burke, and Lainey Elton. So let's all have a listen to Bob Dylan's Make You Feel My Love, performed by some of the cast of Unsung Heroes 9. 
Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Wow, that was so beautiful. I can't wait to see the show. Congratulations, everyone. In a few words, what is bliss for Neil DeLynn these days? <laughs> bliss for Neil these days, oh my goodness, in a few words. Certainly my four kids, I'm just a new one, seven months, just arrived. My kids are such bliss. My wife is such bliss. Uh, my work and my company and the clients I work with is such bliss. But ultimately, uh, relative to this interview, being able to do so much in honor of my mother, both the money that we donate, the community that we create, the entertainment that we provide, these are all things that were so important to her. That's, that's bliss. I love that. That's so wonderful. And what is bliss for you, Dr. Allison Sekuler? Bliss for me is similar to the things that Neil mentioned, but I have to say bliss is having the chance to work with Neil and the whole team and also being very, very grateful to Neil for casting my son as one of the singers as well, because my son's a little older than Neil's kids. He's 20 and he's a university student. I don't get to see him that much, but this has given us a chance to not only, uh, you know, spend time in the car driving there together, but actually sing together. So this is, I think, going to be the first show we've ever done together. And that's just been wonderful wow. having the chance to spend more time with him and the whole cast of Unsung Heroes. That's so fantastic. Everyone, Unsung Heroes Nine Memories is happening on Saturday, October 15th at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday, October 16th at 3.30 p.m. at the Richmond Hill Center for the Performing Arts. To get tickets, all you have to do is go online to unsungtickets.com or go to unsungheroesproductions.com. That's U-N-S-U-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S productions.com. What is the best way for people to connect with you on social media and all the rest? We're on Facebook, Unsung Heroes Productions, Instagram, YouTube, lots of ways to connect. And uh, we hope to see everybody there. So excited. I will be there. Can't wait to see this. I encourage you all. This is a phenomenal production and for an incredible cause. I want to thank you so much, Neil DeLynn and Dr. Allison Sekuler for being on our show today. It was really an honor having you both. Thanks, Judy. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter or a musician on the show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. And if you're anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. Just write to us at FYB at FindingYourBliss.com. As well, you can reach out and contact me as a life coach via going to FindingYourBliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. In Bliss News, we are so excited to announce our phenomenal giveaway courtesy of Bonnie Stern and Anna Rupert for a copy of their wonderful book, Don't Worry, Just Cook. All you have to do to enter is just follow at Bonnie Stern, at AC Rupert, and at The Bliss Minute on Instagram, and tag two friends to win a copy of this gorgeous book. For all the contest details, just check us out on Instagram at The Bliss Minute. The contest is underway and will close on Thursday, October 6th at 6 p.m. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests, Bonnie Stern, Anna Rupert, Neil DeLynn, and Dr. Allison Sekuler for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, Lauren Kaminsky, producer and audio engineer, Nayira Amani, associate editor and video editor, Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, 
the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.